As most of you are probably aware, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, was diagnosed with COVID and recently he was transported via helicopter to Walter Reed Medical Center. Earlier today, his doctors gave us an update. They said he is doing fine. He had a fever. The fever went away. He's receiving treatment. But journalists are painting a different picture, citing unnamed sources who randomly emailed them that Donald Trump's vitals are actually very concerning and the next 48 hours will be critical. This information laundering has made its way to NBC News, and it's unverified. And some journalists are actually admitting, well, I got a random email to my mailbox and I just published it as fact. Right now, it would seem that social media is one of the worst possible things to have during a crisis. It would seem that many journalists are just trying to start a panic over the president's health. And we all need to chill out and calm down because we don't know what's happening. But it's the journalists themselves that are putting out absurd conspiracy theories. Some personalities claiming Trump's faking it. Some claiming that it's actually way worse. And some showing pictures where they zoom in and they say, look at Trump's suit. Why? He's got oxygen in his suit. Now, that wasn't coming from a journalist, but it's got 10,000 retweets nonetheless. I want to try and debunk as much of the absurdity as possible. But let's be real. Presidents do lie about their health when they're sick. And for good reason. We do not want our foreign adversaries to see us as weak. We do not want them to know that our president is gravely ill. If he really was, I'm not saying he is. So it's possible Trump may have symptoms that are worse than they're letting on. But is it really as bad as, say, Jim Acosta says when he claims the president has trouble breathing? And now there's an AP source reporting that Trump has been placed on oxygen. I am I do not know which of these will turn out to be true. And what you need to understand is that in breaking news situations, we get a lot of information. A lot gets thrown out there. And then within a day or two, we'll realize what was real or what was fake. The most important thing I can say is I am wishing for the best for the president that he leaves the hospital and is healthy. Apparently, he's been tweeting already, but some people are claiming they're not really his tweets. I just I think Twitter is the worst possible thing for us at this point. You know, it's a hate machine. People get get money and traffic. They build their business off of posting inflammatory nonsense. And here we go, because journalists have decided to partake. So let's read about what's being said, and we'll take all of it with a grain of salt. But keeping in mind, Trump may be really sick. We don't know. His doctor said he's fine. Do you believe it's a grand conspiracy to mislead the American people? Or do you think that his doctors are just telling us he's fine for the most part and Trump's tweeting? We can only look at the information and then you will decide for yourself. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com slash donate if you would like to support my work. There are many ways you can give. The best thing you can do is share this video. We're going to be going through a lot of this information about the president's health. I've done a lot of, uh, to the best of my ability, sourcing and fact checking and vetting. I can't tell you what's definitively true in many circumstances because this news is breaking, but I hope this conversation will be rational and will help people better understand what is happening with our president. If you think I'm doing a good job, please consider sharing this video. Don't forget to hit the like, subscribe and notification buttons. Let's read the news. The Daily Mail reports White House source says Trump's vitals are very concerning and next 48 hours are critical just minutes after doctors claimed he was doing well. As it emerges, he may have been diagnosed on Wednesday. Okay, the reason they're saying Trump may have been diagnosed on Wednesday is because the doctors who gave a press press conference said 48 hours and 72 hours. They've clarified this. 
They, they said something like, you know, treatment began 72 hours ago. What they meant to say was three. It was it, it's been three days since they're just not speaking clearly enough. I don't think there's a grand conspiracy. Please calm down. Donald Trump was diagnosed, I believe, Thursday night. And now they're saying Wednesday because the doctors gave hours instead of it's been, you know, it was this day, this day and this day. And now we're on day three. That's the general the, the general correction. They're supposed to be saying it is now day three, meaning Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Get it? But because people rush to judgment and because the journalists want chaos, we're getting these stories. You see, there's a saying in journalism. If it bleeds, it leads. The more chaos, the more uncertainty, the more people want to watch and click and the more money they make. Y'all need to stop rushing people into a panic. They say Donald Trump's physician, Sean Conley, offered an update on his condition. Quote, the team and I are extremely happy with the progress the president has made. Conley said Trump has been fever free for 24 hours and is not having trouble breathing or using oxygen. After the presser concluded, a source familiar with the president's health painted a much more dire picture. Quote, the president's vitals of the last 24 hours were very concerning, and the next 48 hours will be critical in terms of his care. We're still not on a clear path to a full recovery, the source said. A source believed to be chief of staff Mark Meadows told reporters Trump's road to recovery is not clear. I am going to debunk this for you, but keep bear in mind uh, as we move forward. The president checked into Walter Reed Hospital Friday after testing positive for COVID on Wednesday. Multiple sources said Trump was administered supplemental oxygen at the White House. The White House said he was hospitalized for tests out of an abundance of caution. Trump is receiving a variety of treatments, including the experimental Ebola drug remdesivir. Sources say the president is in high spirits and is cracking jokes with hospital staff. At least seven members of Trump's inner circle have been have tested positive for coronavirus in the past few days. Two very important bits of context. Many journalists are saying that the event that was held by the president for Amy Coney Barrett may have been the super spreader event because seven people who were there have tested positive. However, the debate had 11 people test positive and Chris Wallace of Fox News admitted they did not follow proper procedure in testing the president when he arrived. Now, that may suggest Trump was sick before getting there. But according to the campaigns, both Biden and Trump tested negative before the debates. Stands to reason then if either of these events was a super spreader event, it would be the debates. But I've done a fuller segment on that on my other channel. So let's move on. Brian Stelter tweets, how high was the president's fever? Quote, I'd rather not give any specific numbers. A troubling response from the president's doctor. I disagree. There's no information there. This is extremely irresponsible. And we have many CNN journalists being very irresponsible. I'd rather not give any specific numbers just means they're not telling us. It could have been really low and meaningless or it could have been really high and dangerous. For the time being, we have no information. Y'all need to calm down. Jim Acosta tweeted 7.53 p.m. on the 2nd, just yesterday. Trump advisor said there is reason for concern about Trump's health tonight. This is serious, the source said. The source went on to describe Trump as very tired, very fatigued and having some trouble breathing. White House officials continue to say Trump will be fine. In fact, his doctors have said he does not have trouble breathing. Now we have more information coming out. Jim Acosta tweeted, why does officials have serious concern about Trump's condition tonight? And his symptoms are worse than, than those of the first lady at this point, according to our sources. I do not believe Jim Acosta is trustworthy. 
Trump doing very well and has no difficulty breathing, medical team says. Trump was moved to Walter Reed on Friday. Just some more clarification as you're going to see mainstream outlets warn you and scream Trump is sick. And of course, Fox News and other more, well, non-American, say the Daily, uh, Daily Mail, other outlets will tell you the doctor said that he is doing well, in fact. NBC News has now published this quote. The president's vitals of the last 24 hours were very concerning, and the next 48 hours will be critical in terms of his care. We're still not on a clear path to a full recovery, a White House official said in a statement provided to the press pool. This is not correct and unverified, and it's laundered its way to NBC News. Olivia Nuzzi, thankfully, tweeted out the full context. As she provided this statement that Donald Trump's vitals were very concerning, she added, this anonymous quote was sent to the White House pool reporters. It arrived in my inbox and the inboxes of other reporters who cover this White House. I do not know where this quote came from and why this anonymous person has the authority to contradict the president's doctors. Olivia should have stopped there. For those that are, are wondering, she is the Washington correspondent for New York Magazine. She has just straight up said they do not know where this quote came from or why this person has the authority to contradict the president. If you don't know where it came from, you cannot vet the quote. Do not publish it. The media is trying to start a panic. She goes on to say context behind the scenes. The White House has been fighting with reporters who have shared information from anonymous sources since we learned about Trump's illness. But as you can see, the White House is sharing information from anonymous sources with us, too. No, we don't know who this was. We have no idea who this was, and neither do you. You did not vet the information. She says, the press and the public are struggling with this fundamental problem. We do not know who we can trust to receive reliable information about the health of the president of the United States. How about his doctors? His doctors are not running for office. His doctors are not overt partisans. They're just doctors. Trust the doctors. Why is it they scream in our faces? You must listen to the doctors. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks. We say, okay. Then we get his doctor saying Trump is fine. He's not having trouble breathing. He's in great spirits and, and things are going well. And they say, well, we can't trust the doctors now. It's a, it's a joke. It is a practical joke played on America. Here's what I can tell you. Trump doctor said he's fine. End of story. Anonymous sources are irresponsible. Questioning non-information is irresponsible. We don't know what Trump's fever was. Therefore, it's troubling. No, it isn't. It could be nothing. Maybe he said he didn't want to give numbers because it was 99 degrees and it was mild and not a big deal. Maybe it was really high. We don't know. We don't know. You want to make an assumption about why he withheld that information? Go ahead and do it. But don't put that out into the world as a, as a journalist. It gets better. Olivia Nuzzi tweeted, update, immediately after the press conference ended and before the anonymous statement was sent out, Mark Meadows briefed reporters without cameras, but he was caught on a feed asking to be off the record. So we have the White House chief of staff on camera anonymously providing contradictory information to reporters right after the president's doctors briefed the public. This is a lie. In the clip they posted, and maybe there's a different clip, but the one I watched over and over again and trying to figure out what they're talking about. It's just Mark Meadows talking to journalists and he says, hey, the cameras are still rolling. Let's, you know, bring it somewhere else. Something to that effect. In no way in this video does he say anything about the president's health. But they keep trying to claim this. This is it. Why? It justifies their use of unverified information. 
They wanted to publish this shocking report so they can get all the clicks. Trump can't breathe. His vitals are hurt, are, are, are doing poorly. We don't know who said it. <laughs> Got it from a random email. It went to the White House pool. So you're supposed to assume it came from someone in the White House. But for all we know, it could be some random dude who like picked up a phone. You have no idea. You have no idea who sent it out. It is not vetted. And this could be a low level, ignorant person with no information. That's why you now, once you get the email, need to follow up and ask questions. But yet the problem would be the reason why these journalists don't do that is because they would then get a response from the official campaign saying this is untrue. Please disregard. So instead, they publish it anyway and then say, well, we did see Mark Meadows on camera, except he wasn't talking about it. And then they definitively say contradictory information to reporters where nothing in this video was contradictory. Maybe there's a longer clip where they're talking. I'm sorry, I didn't hear it. Jim Acosta tweeted about this, saying, asked about the comment, a senior White House official said some of the vital signs early Friday were concerning and indicated a potential for more serious progression of the disease. The media is screaming in our face that Trump is not doing well, that Donald Trump is, is very sick. And you know what? I'll tell you this. They may be correct. I mean, to be completely honest, OK, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that what they're saying is wrong simply because they're not telling us who is saying it. It's just irresponsible to put out the information without vetting it or fact checking it. But you know what? Whoever provided this information could be telling the truth. You got to understand presidents. Sometimes they will withhold information about their health. I mean, to be completely honest, Hillary Clinton claimed she wasn't sick. And then finally, they admitted she had pneumonia. I mean, that's serious. And when everyone kept saying she was sick, including myself, they were like, oh, shut up. She's not sick. Conspiracy theory. We watched her fall over. She wasn't even president. And then it turned out she had pneumonia. Makes sense. She was passing out and falling down. Well, Donald Trump may be sick, but for now, what can we do? Nothing. Speculation is not going to help anyone. Remain calm. Donald Trump himself has tweeted, Doctors, nurses, and all at the great Walter Reed Medical Center and others from likewise incredible institutions who have joined them are amazing. Tremendous progress has been made over the last six months in fighting this plague. With their help, I am feeling well. Jack Posobiec, you can see, says fake news won't like this tweet, to which we see a response from Brian Tyler Cohen, a verified Twitter user, political commentator, Daily Show uh, on YouTube, says, yeah, Trump didn't write this. His staff just capitalized a bunch of words to make it seem like he did, though. OK, so Donald Trump is actually much sicker than we all realize. Is that the conspiracy theory you want to go with? OK, here we go. This tweet has 10,000 retweets. I don't know who this individual is. Khaki men, daughter of Khaki men. I have no idea. It's not it's not it's only a few hundred, a few hundred followers. Pretty sure Trump boarded Marine One with a portable oxygen concentrator in his pocket, with the nasal cannula going up his back, hidden in his hair and tucked under his mask. He is not as well as they say, liar in chief. Look at the photos. There's a circle around his pocket. Then the next photo, there's there's some weird arrow drawn over his mask. And we can see what's this line right here on his, on his head. Oh, I'm going to debunk. It's going to be fun. Then we can see what's this bump on Trump's back. 10,300 retweets. 2,500 quoted tweets and 28,900 likes. And all you had to do was pull up a simple high res photo from Google to figure out it is not true. It is a piece of Trump's hair. In the image, they show this line 
but they're taking a picture of a TV screen. So the resolution is garbage upon garbage. I pulled up a very high resolution photo. I zoomed in and you can see that line actually goes down over his collar because it is a piece of his hair. Conspiracy theories that Trump is sick being shared by random Twitter accounts. Listen, this individual khaki men on Twitter, only a few hundred followers, not a journalist. So I don't blame them. All these other journalists who are pushing similar conspiracies, Trump's having trouble breathing without telling us who the information's coming from and expecting us to blindly believe them. Irresponsible. Here we go. You ready for this? MSNBC's Joy Reid suggests Trump is faking COVID diagnosis to get out of the debates. Bravo. I love, I love all of the fringe, insane conspiracies. Is that really what you want to go with? This here may be the most credible we have so far, but for me, it's still not enough. Mike Balsamo, I'm not sure he's a verified Twitter user and, and he is a lead Justice Department and federal law enforcement reporter for the AP. I've quoted this guy before. I actually think he did a pretty good job. I believe he covered the chop chess. He says, Bethesda, Maryland, AP source, President Trump was administered supplemental oxygen at the White House on Friday before going to the hospital. Now, in the conspiracy theory, they're claiming he's wearing some kind of oxygen, you know, tank or whatever. That's ridiculous because I've shown you the photos. However, an AP source is saying he was administered supplemental oxygen. In the press briefing, the doctor did not give us a definitive statement as to whether or not Trump at any point had received oxygen. When asked, he just said Trump is not on oxygen now. And, oh, no, has he ever been on oxygen? Trump has not been on oxygen now or yesterday in the hospital. So people believe that Trump was given supplemental oxygen at some point. Now we have an AP source making that claim. For the time being, anybody who's had any experience trying to debunk conspiracy theories knows that when breaking news happens, it is often bad. That's right. People are frantic. They're panicking. They're posting whatever they get, maybe an anonymous email. They don't know where it came from. And they're like, well, there's a fact. And then NBC News publishes it as though it's a fact when they don't know who said it. Completely irresponsible. But we do have, again, some information to suggest Trump may be sicker than we realize. And I'm not saying what they're, what they're putting out is wrong. I'm saying we don't know yet. And a lot of this is very irresponsible. Gabriel Sherman on Twitter, Vanity Fair special correspondent, writes, conversations with Republicans close to the White House over the last 12 hours indicate it's been far more dire than the White House has said. Before being taken to Walter Reed, Trump kept asking aides, am I going going out like Stan Chera, am I? Chera was Trump's NYC friend who died of COVID in April. I do not know if I believe this. You know, right now, journalists are saying we don't know who to trust. It's such a problem with the White House lying all the time. I don't know who to trust either. It's such a problem with the journalists lying all the time. It's such a problem with the journalists using unnamed anonymous sources with no verification or confirmation. Back in the day, when you got an email that made a claim, you'd reach out for comment and verification. They just published it. Completely irresponsible. So I don't know who to trust. I certainly don't believe Trump said this. I'm sorry. I just really don't. The internet has been littered with crazy conspiracy theories. We had Joy, you know, Joy Reid saying Trump's COVID diagnosis is just to get out of the debates. We got this guy, Don Winslow. I'll just say this. The timing of Trump's positive test is very interesting and solves a number of immediate problems with 18,000 retweets. We get USA Today. Social media teams with conspiracy theories from QAnon and Trump critics 
after president's positive COVID-19 test. Michael Moore floats conspiracy theory that Trump may be faking COVID. No one has any idea. I wish for, I hope for, and for those that are more religious, I hope you're all wishing, hoping, and praying for Donald Trump's swift and quick recovery, because this country is more important than one person and these individuals' petty squabbles. You may not like Donald Trump, but we need to succeed as a nation. It is shocking to me that people would wish for the pilot of our airplane to crash, or I should say for, for him to die or to be sick. Here's what I see. The conspiracy theorists just hate Trump. MSNBC's Joy Reid, Michael Moore, they just hate Trump. They view him in their mind as this evil demon. Therefore, everything they see about him comes from this frame of mind that what he's doing must actually be evil. Evil. The journalists want panic and chaos. So, of course, they're going with the exact same narrative. I mean, this is entirely predictable. If it bleeds, it leads. A chaotic story about a panicked Trump who's on his deathbed and coughing and wheezing. Well, that's clicks, baby. And that's going to drive revenue for your company. Sources. You know, I tried doing my best with the thumbnail of this video. Well, you know, you can only fit so many words in, but that's why I put sources in quotes to at least highlight the, the, <laughs> the lack of substance in these sources for the time being. Now, the AP seems to be legit, to be completely honest. The AP is a very legit organization, though they have put out some bunk stuff in the past. Everybody kind of does. They make mistakes. So I wonder if this is really true. There have been many presidents who have gotten sick and then not released that information to the public. And more importantly, we are in the information age. Previous presidents in the past 10, 20 years, I mean, going from Obama back, they didn't have smartphones. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have this rapid flow of information. So it may be that there have been instances where presidents have been very sick in the past, similar to where Trump may be now, and no one ever knew about it. Of course, we're, we are in the midst of uh, what, what, what's turning out to be a panic. And the reason I say it is a panic is because when these doctors say 72 hours, 48 hours, everyone starts screaming, ah, Trump had COVID and went to a rally. And now it's a fact. Now all the lefties are retweeting it. If, if this is true and Trump was, knew he was sick and then went to these rallies, he got people sick. And it's like, no, no, the doctors misspoke. They meant to say we are on day two. We are on day three of Trump's COVID diagnosis. And they misspoke because they're doctors, not PR spokespeople. The idea that the doctors are lying to me is ridiculous. Now, listen, I do believe that Trump's doctors have withheld some information. They've been saying, you know, we won't give the information on his fever. They, 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 they kind of uh, Conley kind of dodged the question. I tweeted about this for sure. When asked, has Trump received any supplemental oxygen? He just said Trump is not now on oxygen. OK, I don't care if Trump did receive oxygen. And the reason why the reason why he might not have answered that is simple. Trump may have been given oxygen out of an abundance of caution. He's the president. So once they said you're sick, they said, give him some oxygen just in case. Send him to the hospital. If they then come out and say the president did receive oxygen, people are going to go, oh, he's dying. He's dying. He's not on oxygen now. That's what you need to know. He's not on a ventilator. He's not on oxygen, which means he's fine. I'm sure if the president got sick, they'd give him, you know, remdesivir and the Regeneron treatment and whatever. Apparently, Donald Trump is also not on hydroxychloroquine, which is also interesting because it debunks another conspiracy theory from the left. They believe Trump was going to someone tweeted this on the 18th that Trump's October surprise is that he would announce he has covid. And then within two weeks, he'd say he was cured and it was cured by hydroxychloroquine or something. And that's just ridiculous. 
Trump is not taking hydroxychloroquine. And when any of these things come up, I always say, just talk to your doctor. In this instance, we have the word of Trump's doctors. So these journalists that are spewing this garbage are ridiculously irresponsible. By the time you watch this, I'm sure much of the information surrounding what's happened with Trump may have changed. So look for updates to see what is going on. For the time being, just so you know, as I film this segment, record the segment, the information available is not conclusive. And the best thing we can do is trust the doctors. Why is it so hard? Shouldn't these, shouldn't CNN receive some kind of strike on YouTube when they put out this trash? They don't know what's going on. They're just trying to make you freak out. So you click their videos. I'll leave it there. The next segment is coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast News. It is a different channel. Thank you all so much for hanging out with this very important update. And I will see you all in the next segment. Last night, as many of you are probably aware, the president was flown to Walter Reed Hospital for observation. Though there are reports coming out that he's actually in pretty bad shape, that he's having trouble breathing, that he's fatigued. The only problem with that report is that it comes from Jim Acosta of CNN, who is full of it and probably one of the worst people in journalism. I mean, maybe next to Don Lennon. CNN really is complete and utter garbage. From the Daily Mail, they say Trump Trump's positive tweet, despite reports he is having trouble breathing after being airlifted to hospital for covid treatment with remdesivir and experimental antibodies after recording video message and giving thumbs up to the press. Okay, let's break some of this down. Last night on the IRL podcast, we also used the phrase airlifted because this is what we saw in the news. And upon further inspection, let me issue a correction, as it were. Trump was not airlifted in the traditional sense. Usually when someone's airlifted to a hospital, it's because they're like incapacitated and they like drop a stretcher down. I know that's probably just like a colloquial understanding of what it means. But uh, Trump calmly walked out of the White House and boarded a helicopter and flew to the hospital. He seemed OK. And we want to assume he's going to be OK because we don't want to assume the worst, which is why I take personal I take issue with people like Jim Acosta. This dude is one of the worst human beings. Trump advisors said there is reason for concern about Trump's health tonight. Quote, this is serious, the source said. The source went on to describe Trump as very tired, very fatigued, and having some trouble breathing. White House officials continue to say Trump will be fine. I, I, I would never trust Jim Acosta. This dude, he, he makes a living off of just manipulating people who don't like Trump. And this is absolutely on par with that. I put out a series of tweets this morning. I've been, I criticized Trump over the Amy Coney Barrett event because now there's around seven people or so who have contracted COVID or tested positive for it who were at that event. That is not definitive proof, but I think Trump has played fast and loose with COVID for sure. Absolutely. Jim Acosta, on the other hand, he's going to be like, the orange man is always bad. Trump is always doing wrong. And then when this happens, Trump is very sick. You know why? All of it is just fanning the tensions for the resistance. I'll do air quotes, the resistance. But let me tell you something. We don't know exactly how the president did contract COVID. And while it may be possible that putting on the Amy Coney Barrett event did result in a super spreader event, we don't know. We probably never will. But I actually have another uh, story to show you. I think I can tell you where Trump may have gotten COVID. And I think this one is equally as plausible. Chris Wallace is a moron. I'm sorry, I don't normally insult people, but I am deeply, deeply offended by this story from The Hill. Chris Wallace. 
Trump arrived too late to be tested in Ohio before the debate relied on honor system. Let me slow that down for you. The president of the United States and the former vice president and top contender for president of the United States in this upcoming election were both allowed to enter a debate without proper COVID procedure. That is not Trump's fault. That is not Joe Biden's fault. That is the commission, their fault, the debate commission, and Chris Wallace and other garbage members of the media. They should have postponed this. My, I cannot. But could you imagine, even if Trump did get this while uh, at the, the event for Amy Coney Barrett, he came in in the afternoon of Tuesday when the debate was at night. He's the president of the United States. What do you mean you didn't have enough time to test him? I went on Joe Rogan earlier this year and Joe gave me a test. They took a little thing. They jabbed my finger and blood spray. Actually, I've got guitar calluses. So they like really trying to get the, the needle. Like it's this little clicker and they put it on your finger and they click it. You don't really feel anything, but like trying to get, you know, I, I got guitar calluses, right? You play the guitar and then it's, so it was, it was difficult for them. But listen, if Joe Rogan can do it, the commission on presidential debates can do it. And there's literally no excuse. To put the two most important people right now in this country in a place without proper COVID procedure. Trump had a mask. Of course, they're trying to blame Trump. Trump showed up too late. No, 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 no. They should have said, Mr. President, if you can't get here at this time, we won't be able to administer a test. Therefore, we won't be able to do the debates. Maybe, maybe they did fine, whatever. They should have postponed it. And that could be, as far as I know, Trump's responsibility as well. If Trump arrived late, then, well, Trump shouldn't be having these events that were, you know, without social distancing and all this stuff. And I think there's a lot of people on the right who have played fast and loose because the left has gone extreme in the other direction. Donald Trump has COVID. I'm not going to sit here and, and, and screech about Trump's social distancing policy. I'm not going to play these ridiculous and psychotic games that we're seeing on social media, which are disgusting, where they insult and drag the president. All of us right now, left, right, up, down, whatever, should be praying and hoping, if you're not religious, for a speedy recovery for the president. Even some of the most vile people I know are doing this. Like, and I don't mean Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow, I think, is kind of annoying. But she she, she said, you know, uh, wishing the best for the family. And that was respectable, 100%. But there's one guy who's like, you know, tweeting about how he absolutely hates Trump and, and he wants Trump to, to, to go to prison and all this stuff. And he wished for Trump to do well. He said, this is not the way it needs to be. Trump needs to recover and Trump needs to lose. That is correct in terms of politics. Now, I would prefer Trump to win, mind you. But if, if it doesn't matter where you're left, right, up, down, whatever. You want Joe Biden to lose fairly or you want Donald Trump to lose fairly. You know why? So you can prove to the American people this is the direction the country is going. End of story. Now, here's what I see with this Chris Wallace garbage. Chris Wallace is admitting they played fast and loose with the lives of the president and the top and the nominee for president in this upcoming election. Two of the most important people in this country, if not the most. I, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw this story. Chris Wallace is, is a moron. There's no excuse for this. None whatsoever. If you couldn't test the president, what other procedures were you not following? And the fact that he'd be like, well, we can't test the president. So let's just do the debate anyway. You put everyone at risk. Now, 11 people who are at the debate have uh, apparently uh, tested positive for this. Now, no, no joke. I think it's, it's, it's 11 people. And Chris Wallace is saying, well, Trump got here too late. 
So let me stop you right there. Let me show you this story. Let me stop myself right there. You're not really responding to me. The Daily Beast says at least seven who attended Rose Garden event have COVID. There were few masks and no social distancing as President Trump nominated Amy Coney Barrett for, uh, for the Supreme Court. Okay, well, I can see there are people wearing masks, some people. Not that it really matters all that much because most people are sitting next to each other and not wearing masks. But 11 people at the debate have tested positive for COVID. If I had to make an assessment on where I think Trump got sick, I would probably say the debate because you have 11 people who are positive versus seven. The number could change, but for the time being, we won't know. We don't know, but I'm leaning towards this is the fault of the debate commission. You know, a bunch of Trump supporters were saying things like oh, Trump was fine. And then what, two, two and a half days or so after the debate, he gets sick. That's the incubation period, two to three days. It could be three to five, but typically my understanding is two to three. So Trump goes to the debate. They play fast and loose with their COVID procedures. Then Trump gets sick. Now, Trump could have gotten sick at the Amy Coney Barrett thing, 100%. I'm just, okay, we don't know for sure. But if you have more people sick from, if you have more people sick from the debates than the Amy Coney Barrett thing, they weren't all going up to Trump and hugging him or anything like that. Sounds to me like Trump got sick from the debates. Let's read this story from The Hill. Fox News anchor Chris Wallace said President Trump did not arrive in Cleveland ahead of the first presidential debate in time to get tested in Ohio before the event took place. Wallace, who served as the moderator for the event, said the president didn't arrive until Tuesday afternoon in Cleveland to face off against Democratic nominee Joe Biden. The time of the debate was Tuesday at 9 p.m. I just got to stop right there. I went to Joe Rogan's uh, studio. Right when I walk in the door, a nurse greeted me and they sat me down and she took this little thing, clicked it on my finger, and then I did an antibody test. I know it's not the same as a test for the actual virus. Why didn't they do that? It's not difficult. It's readily available. Why didn't they do even an antibody test? There's a a ton of testing they could have done. The, The debates did not care. They put, even if, listen, let's say this is the only thing that happened and Trump was sick with COVID from Amy Coney Barrett's event. They put Joe Biden at risk. Now, Biden has tested negative. Good. I'm glad. I don't like the guy. I don't like his policies, but I do not wish harm or ill will on anyone. I hope Trump recovers, Melania, and all these people who are sick, every single one. I hope they do, they do well. Even if, you know, I think, I think this country is in, is in serious trouble if Joe Biden wins. Oh, I can already hear the left saying, what does that mean, Tim? Can you get, can you name one policy at TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership? Duh. That was the Obama administration. How about all the war? Yes. I think we're in serious trouble if Joe Biden wins. I think we're going to face some harsh times if Trump wins too, but I think Trump is doing better in bringing jobs back, restoring our manufacturing base and strengthening the country. Joe Biden won't do that. Joe Biden was part of the administration that wanted to do this Trans-Pacific Partnership. They wanted to do more free trade agreements, which was eroding our working class. The left doesn't seem to care. No, I know actual policy. I have, a, I have a good idea of what's going on and why I don't want Joe Biden to win. But I want him to be healthy. I can make fun of him for, for you know, being a, a do, do, what do they call him? A doddering old man on, uh, who called him that? I can't remember. But, uh, but, but I, I, don't, I don't want anybody to be, to be hurt or sick. Fox News anchor Chris Wallace should be ashamed of himself. They say, The timing of the arrival did not allow enough time for the president to be tested, according to the anchor. Quote, the difference was I arrived on Sunday. You arrived on Monday, Wallace told fellow Fox News uh, colleague Bill Hemmer. The Trump family didn't arrive until Tuesday afternoon. So for them to get tested, there wouldn't have been enough time to have the test and have the debate at nine o'clock that night. They didn't show up until three or four o'clock, five in the afternoon. Um, That's evening, dude. Come on. 
There was an honor system when it came to the people that came to the hall from the two campaigns. Uh, Donald Trump gets tested all the time for COVID. Mike Pence gets tested every single day. Was Mike Pence at the debate? That's, I, I, I probably should have checked on that. If Donald Trump is the one who got sick, I wonder, I have to wonder. Now, I do think it's, it's fair to point out that many people at the Amy Coney Barrett event got sick as well. And you can see, you know, Mike Lee hugging people. Kellyanne Conway's apparently reportedly a uh, positive. Ronna McDaniel. It could very well be that event. And I do think Trump deserves criticism for playing fast and loose. I absolutely do. But I'm not going to play this, this game the left wants to play, where they're like, you know, karma. And other, no, that's disgusting. Just because Donald Trump isn't doing the Joe Biden ridiculous no rallies or whatever doesn't mean anyone deserved this or it's anyone's fault. It's a virus. Trump could do certain things better. Sure. But I'm not here to play that game. They say the interview with Hammer on Friday afternoon came after President Trump and First Lady Melania Trump were diagnosed with the coronavirus Friday morning. The president was then taken to Walter Reed. Hemmer noted that the Cleveland Clinic, which hosted the event, said the candidates themselves had been tested and tested negative by their respective campaigns. They weren't tested by the clinic uh, based on that statement, Chris. And to me, that sounds like an honor system. Whoa, whoa. Is that what they're saying? Check this out. Could it be that Donald Trump was not sick from Amy Coney Barrett's event? They say the campaigns were tested and tested negative by their respective campaigns. Okay, they had been tested and tested negative. They weren't tested by the clinic. So if if Chris Wallace and the, and, the, and the debate commission didn't bother to test Trump, my issue is what else didn't they bother to do? And you absolutely had people sitting around in the audience, not social distancing, the same as the Amy Coney Barrett event. I think as far as I can say right now, it really is close to a coin toss as to if either of these is the culprit in the spread, you know, super spreader event or whatever you want to call it. I lean more towards the commission on the debates simply because they admit straight up they took no precautions. I'm not saying I lean strongly or I know for sure. It's kind of like, you know, what, 53% more likely because there was 11 people who got sick there. But I will tell you this. I can criticize Donald Trump for a lot of his events. Absolutely. And I think Joe Biden goes a little bit crazy in terms of his precautions. But, you know, sometimes they say better safe than sorry. But the bigger issue is putting the president and the former vice president at risk. And for that, I blame the debates. The news comes as several notable GOP members like Hope Hicks are sick that we understand. But let me let me show you some of the, the, the vile things that are popping up. Look at Michael Moore. He says the lying continues. They claim Trump has only mild symptoms. So why hasn't he sent out a single tweet? Trump tweeted at me an RT yesterday, hours before he tweeted he had COVID. Something has to be very, very wrong. And for there to be no tweets for 15 hours, a record. Uh, I don't think that's a record. I think there was one period where Trump went like a day or two, and that's happened periodically. But Trump is going to the hospital, like, so he's not tweeting. And these people are, are incorrigible, to say the least. Well, Glenn Greenwald brings us the lovely far left conspiracy garbage from the resistance trash news cycle. Glenn Greenwald says the most beloved liberal pundits, including the ones employed by major media outlets, have spent four years spreading and endorsing utterly deranged QAnon level conspiracy theories with no accountability. This is the mentality dominating liberal discourse. CNN edition. Pope hat. Oh, Pope hat on Twitter. Uh, Pope hat blocked me. Why? Because I once politely uh, mentioned that one of their facts were incorrect and then banned or blocked. Sorry. Yeah. 
Popat tweets. I mean, honestly, do we know this is real? Do we know this isn't some last ditch election ruse where he claims he's cured himself with some obscure drug that his company coincidentally makes? That sounds ludicrous, but gestures at 2020. Trump's company makes it. Trump holds like some tiny minority stake through a hedge fund or something or through a what, what is it? A mutual fund or something? I don't care. I can't remember. They, they did this whole narrative where they're like, Trump's company makes hydroxychloroquine. And it's like, uh, dude, Trump holds like $600 worth of the company, some ridiculously low number because they don't understand when then you when you have like um, an investment portfolio or whatever, you'll just like put money into an account and then the company decides where, where, where how they spread it out. So it's not like Trump manages all of these things and he's going like, ha ha, now I'm going to get, a, you know, a, a return. I think it's like $1,500 total. Could you imagine if Trump sees a 100% return, he might make $1,500. I'm not convinced the billionaire president is worried about $1,500. And I'm not trying to be mean to people who would worry about $1,500, but come on, Trump's a billionaire. He brought in $450 million in revenue last year uh, on 2016 or 2017. He lost more than that. I don't think he's sweating the $1,500. In fact, he donates his his quarterly, his quarterly salary of $100,000 because I don't think he needs it. So yeah, drop the, the ridiculous conspiracy nonsense. Well, Asha Rangappa responded, this was my initial thought. Trump doesn't admit to any weakness, including illness. Mary Trump says in her book that, that in their family, this was seen as a personal failing. Seems strange that it would be so public about it unless there was a benefit to him. Maybe the reason Trump is being honest about COVID is because people were literally watching him leave the leave the White House and getting onto Marine One and they can watch the helicopter as it arrives at Walter Reed Hospital. And maybe then they'd be like, oh, no, what's happening? So Trump preempted and said, has it positive for COVID? Going to go to the hospital. Seems to be OK. He's talking normally. He gives a thumbs up. And then you get Jim Acosta coming out and saying, this is serious. Oh, oh, OK, man, look, maybe I think if Trump is sick, it is serious no matter what, whether Trump is feeling fine and asymptomatic. The official statements we've got is that Trump is asymptomatic. And then we have Jim Acosta screeching, ah, oh, the end is nigh or whatever. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but he's saying it's more serious than we realize. I wouldn't trust that guy at all. He just makes stuff up. Like he tweeted as the president was going to the helicopter, Trump won't stop to give question, like to answer questions. He's going to the hospital, dude. What's wrong with you? Jeez, this guy's terrible. But whether, whether or not uh, uh, Trump is seriously ill or not doesn't matter. The president himself is sick. We, we must hope for a speedy recovery because we, we do not want it's, it's damaging to the nation, to put it simply. Of course, you can't stop the conspiracy left from going insane and no one's going to ever hold them accountable. Conspiracy theory Twitter is going nuts over Trump's covid diagnosis. I'm just so tired of this stuff, man. I'm, I'm tired of the lies. I'm tired of the conspiracy theories. I don't care if it's on the left or the right, but I'll tell you this, man, the right wing conspiracy stuff gets gets pushed out and banned. I know people. I know people who believe the earth is flat. No, I'm not even kidding. And, and look, I know a lot of people, mind you. And I'm very disappointed with some of, the, some of these, these people I've met who are adamant. And I'm like, dude, you're losing it. OK, you are losing it. The earth is not flat. But there are people who believe it. They really do. And we've seen high profile celebrities. I can't remember who it was. It was like Charles Barkley. He's like, I don't know, man. He's like, I drive my car from Florida to New York and I don't go up no curves or something. And it's like, that's not how it works. You, you, the earth is round. I don't like that either. But guess what? 
All that stuff is super fringe. YouTube has, has pushed it off. The weird, like the, 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 the Michelle Obama is a guy conspiracy. <laughs> it's so stop everybody. Just stop with the conspiracies. Here's the problem. When someone comes out and says the earth is flat, we all collectively laugh left, right, up, down. We make jokes about it. There's parody accounts. It's silly. Okay. When the left comes out and screams that, you know, Trump is faking his illness and going to the hospital, the media allows it. Look at this. What do we got? Linda Sarsour. Seems like someone don't want to go back to the debate stage. Hmm. Why? Trump's polls are improving. Trump's doing well off that debate. As much as a lot of people were soured on Trump, his approval rating started to go up. And right now in the aggregate, Trump's approval rating is actually at a presidential average for him. It's a little bit higher than average. It's coming back up to where it was when he reached his peak. The, the highest approval rating in aggregate I think Trump got was around like 46, 47. Is that 45.5? So Trump's doing well. Of course he wants to debate. So here come the conspiracy theories. I'm not going to read any of this garbage, but look at all of these tweets where they're like, it's a conspiracy. And I love how Daily Beast says conspiracy theory Twitter is going nuts. No, no, no. These are high profile resistance leftists like Michael Moore, who are spewing the stupid conspiracy garbage. Trump is secretly faking his illness. Shut up, man. I'm so sick of this stuff. Listen, you give me evidence. I'll operate on that evidence. Okay. But let me wrap this up and and, re- and drive this one point home. There are two major events where people think this may, Trump may have gotten sick. And you know what? Trump may have gotten sick at like a Wendy's bathroom. You have no idea. I mean, I think we know if Trump went to Wendy's. The point is, Trump's been to a lot of places. There's a lot of people who interact with a lot of people. Just because seven people who are at the Amy Coney Barrett event doesn't mean that's where they caught it. In fact, most of these people interact with each other all the time. So you get one person over here who gets sick, and then, you know, like a day later, she hangs out with Kaylee McEnany, and then a day later, she sees Josh Hawley, and then this it spreads. Now, none of those people have it, mind you. They're not testing positive. But Mike Lee, uh, Kellyanne Conway, Ronald McDaniel, the president and the first lady. So there could be instances where they've interacted and not Amy Coney Barrett. The same is true for the debate stage. We don't know. They may have not gotten it here. I lean slightly towards if I had to make a choice between the two. The debate stage, simply because we can see Chris Wallace straight up saying they were operating under uh, under an honor system and the campaigns had already tested the candidates and they were negative. That means Trump was negative before the debate. After the debate, Trump got sick. Stands to reason Trump got sick from the debate. It's that simple. Trump tested negative before the debate. And then a few days later, he tested positive the debate. <laughs> and they were playing fast and loose. It was an honor system. We did. Oh, you know, okay. You know what, man? Fine. 11 people at the debate were sick. I think that's where it happened. That's my personal opinion. I, I, let me rephrase. Let me be, be very careful. If I had to choose between these two events, I would choose the debate. However, however, like I said, Trump may have stopped in at McDonald's because, you know, he loves McDonald's and maybe he got it there. We don't know. There's a million and one places Trump could have caught, could have, could have uh, contracted COVID and he could have got it from someone else. He could have got it from Hope Hicks or Ronald McDaniel or any one of these other people who travel all over the time, all, all the time as well. Y'all, people need to stop playing fast and loose with this. I do think Joe Biden's way over the top for sure, but people need to chill and we need to be focusing on the health and well-being of, Amer- of the American people and the president at this time. So please, people, just chill out. Stop gloating. Stop laughing. It just proves how sick and vile these people are when they make these videos and they're like, ha ha ha. No, 
I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't play that game. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thank you all so much for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Riots continued last night, as they have been for, I don't know, what are we on, like day 128? But this time, something significant happened. While I have a simple story for you, four people arrested from hostile crowd at Portland Police Building, a video going viral shared by Andy No is actually much more alarming. In this tweet, Andy No says, Portland tonight, Black Lives Matter Antifa rioters surround officer who pulled over a driver. The driver flees. And when the officer tries to follow him, rioters stand in front of his motorcycle and one gets hit. I can play a bit of the video for you now. And we can see this is not a riot cop. This is an angry leftist mob. They're standing in front of a cop. And there you go. The driver flees. A motorcycle police officer pulled someone over for likely some infraction or, you know, we don't really know why. A roving band of leftists intervened. The driver flees. The officer watches him take off and it looks like the cops like what? When the cop tries jumping on his bike, they block the cop. Someone gets hit. And then you hear that uh, ever so fateful medic screaming, oh, no, we stood in front of a motorcycle and disrupted police activity. And now someone fell over. I don't believe they actually got hit. I don't think any of that was particularly bad in terms of injury or anything like that. It's starting to feel really purgy, though. And I mean it, you know, look, okay, maybe not that much, but we're inching ever closer to, I don't know, lawlessness, straight up lawlessness. So let me, let me make this really, really clear so I can, I can get my point across. And then I want to show you the story about what's going on in Portland. These are not protests. This cop is not a riot cop. He was just some cop who was pulling someone over routine police work. Now I get it. Most of us don't like getting pulled over. You get a ticket. It's kind of annoying. But it's a part of how the system works. It's not perfect. We got a problem with quotas and things like that. And sometimes, you know, the, the cops just generating revenue for the city or the state. I get all of those arguments. But sometimes they pull someone over who might be drunk, someone who could seriously injure someone. And now it's this. This is where we're going because nothing is getting done to stop these people, save what Donald Trump has done. This is really interesting. U.S. attorney says Portland police will remain federal deputies against mayor's wishes. Donald Trump, he made a a bold and decisive move, and the police have been deputized as U.S. marshals. We now know this came at the request of the police. So I'll tell you what, while I can give Donald Trump and his administration credit for making this move, which seems to be helping, it's actually the police who requested it wasn't Trump's idea. Still, Trump's willingness to enact it, or I should say his administration, because I don't know to what extent he was involved, is brilliant. For those that are familiar with what this means, it means that if someone gets arrested by a Portland police officer, the feds intervene to charge them. Or I shouldn't say intervene. The feds will just charge them because the Portland cops, they're now federal deputies. And it started with the Oregon State Police. The Oregon State Police requested deputization from the feds. Why? You see, early on, They were claiming that Trump's secret police were rounding people up. So the governor said, how about we negotiate a deal? We'll bring in the state police to deal with the riots and protect the federal building. You pull your federal officers back to help calm things down. The DHS then had their marshals and their packed officers as a group of different agencies remain inside the courthouse that was being attacked by Antifa. State police then started going out and making arrests. 
And the local DA started releasing all of these people without charge. Within hours, they were cut loose and back on the street. Eventually, the Oregon State Police retreated straight up. We're done. And they said, if we arrest these people and you just release them, you're putting us in danger. How annoying would that be? It's like you ever play a video game and you like you play for several hours, you get really far and then the game crashes or the power goes out and you're like, I lost everything and you don't even want to play anymore. You're like, everything I just did was erased. Ugh. You throw the controller down and you just don't want to play. I, I can only imagine it's much worse when you're actually trying to enforce the law and you have a district attorney who's releasing the people you watch commit crimes. Well, guess what? The city is now begging the police, please stop, de-deputize de- these officers be- because our rioters are getting charged and arrested by the feds. And the U.S. attorney's like, no, we're going to charge these people because you're not doing it. It's really strange to me that amid the ongoing riots, and I know a lot of people are probably like, oh, riots are still happening. Riots are still happening. That all of this going down, and for some reason, the city is saying, hey, you know that thing you did that actually worked? Please stop doing that. Whose side are they on? Are they on the side of regular people, small business owners, families, or are they on the side of the violent extremists? Apparently, it's obvious to anybody paying attention. Let's read the story. And, and we have a response from one of these far leftists in their government. U.S. attorney says Portland police will remain federal deputies against mayor's wishes. The decision was made jointly with the U.S. Marshal for Oregon, who deputized the police ahead of a far right rally. U.S. Attorney Billy Williams said Wednesday, Portland police will retain their status as federal deputies, despite Mayor Ted Wheeler's request to revoke that status. In a statement, Williams said the action was needed because city leaders haven't done enough to quell violence at protests. Quote, the federal deputa- deputation is that what it is? Deputation supports frontline law enforcement officers and their families in a way that they have not yet seen from City Hall. Portlanders and Oregonians in general are sick of the boarded up and dangerous conditions prevalent in downtown Portland due to a lack of leadership. Now, I don't know if they deputized literally every single Portland officer, which is, well, important considering in Portland, a a cop was pulling someone over and a mob intervened. Now, that's something I've not seen before. I mean, you straight up have roving bands of lawlessness disrupting general police work outside the confines of their normal riot. It's spreading. It will get worse. Crime is skyrocketing. This is I look, I, I, we're not really in the purge or anything like that. But aren't we getting to that point of lawlessness where a cop can't even give someone a ticket for who knows what, like improper lane change or some other dumb thing? The current dispute is the aftermath of a police response that brought federal, state and local law enforcement together last weekend. Oregon Governor Kate Brown declared a state of emergency ahead of a September 26 far right rally in Portland and placed law enforcement under a unified command consisting of the Oregon State Police and Multnomah County Sheriff's Office. As part of that preparation, the U.S. Marshal Service federally deputized 22 sheriff's deputies and 56 members of the Portland Police Bureau's rapid response team. So not regular cops. Rapid response is like this. I don't want to say they're like, they're like the riot control guys. As OPB first reported th- uh, Tuesday, the federal deputy designation did not end with the far right rally. However, it extends through the end of the year, a decision made by the U.S. Marshals, according to Oregon State Police Captain Timothy Fox. Federal officials' interest in Portland extends far beyond last weekend's Proud Boys rally, and deputizing local police 
fits with a wider strategy by the U.S. Department of Justice to harshly punish people who have participated in racial justice protests that have persisted for months. I'm going to stop you right there, OPB. Perhaps you did not get the memo from the Associated Press. We're not calling them protests anymore. AP guidelines say it's now unrest. And that means the unresters, I guess you'd call them, are getting uh, arrested and charged. The reason why they're calling it unrest, and I actually agree with this to an extent, is because they're not protests. You see, for the longest time, they've been saying peaceful protests, peaceful, 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 but they're not. They're clashing with police. Now, maybe some of these moments don't reach the level of a full blown riot with windows being smashed out. But if you're fighting with cops and you're running through the streets, it's unrest. Now, I think we can call it a riot when it's a riot and we'll call it an unrest when it's just the general nonsense from these people. They say in a statement released Wednesday on Facebook, Oregon State Police Superintendent Travis Hampton said the federal deputy status was an important part of law enforcement strategy to supply accountability to violent extremists at the September 26th rally. But he also asked Williams to keep the federal status in place, despite calls from local leaders to end them immediately. Hampton said keeping officers federally deputized allows increased prosecutorial discretion if rioters should assault an officer. It came from the state police, said Portland Police Bureau Deputy Chief Chris Davis. The way I heard about it was Travis Hampton called me and said this was happening as part of the plan for this past weekend's events. The conversation was not phrased in a way where it would sound like a request. It sounded like that was the direction that he was going. That would have been well within his prerogative as the person put in charge of that event by the governor. 50 Oregon uh, state police troopers were also federally deputized in August when they assumed security responsibilities outside the federal courthouse in downtown Portland as part of a deal to end the federal law enforcement response to protests. Those troopers will keep their status as federal deputies for one year. I do think it's uh, uh, important to stress. We have to make sure that uh, executive authority is 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 rescinded at a certain point, right? They should. Okay. I like the idea of deputizing them. So because the DA isn't doing their, doing his job, but at a certain point, these powers need to be returned to the local law enforcement. This, this, this deputization needs to expire because we do not want people to gain more and more executive authority. In a statement, Hampton went so far as to suggest he will refuse to send Oregon state police troopers into Portland if the de- deputations are revoked. OSP troopers will not serve the city of Portland in any capacity that needlessly endangers them or their colleagues. Look, bravo to the cops. It is the fault of the feckless politicians, Mayor Ted Wheeler and his pathetic DA and the rest of the people in Portland who want this. Apparently they want Trump to win, I suppose. Hampton's statement Wednesday is the latest sign of a growing feud between local law enforcement and the elected leaders and residents to whom they are accountable. Hampton and Portland police have been openly critical of Multnomah County District Attorney Mike Schmidt over his decision not to bring low-level charges against protesters. While Schmidt has charged numerous protesters with assault and a public safety officer, Deputy Chief Davis said the federal charges bring a harsher penalty. Quote, the DA has been diligent about prosecuting these cases whenever he can. The federal system has a little has a little bit stronger penalties for attacks on federal officers. If you realize the kind of attack that we've seen daily on Portland police officers since May will, uh, will result in potentially federal prison time, I would think that would tend to make people think twice before they threw a full can of soup or a brick or a firebomb at a police officer. I don't think it will. I mean, maybe some of these people have panicked, and that's why I, 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 I don't think it's that they're going to back down. 
I think that by charging these people federally, you've taken them off the street. Some of these people are in prison. Some of these people were charged with attempted murder. They say the federal government's decision to deputize local law enforcement also comes after a protracted battle this summer over the presence of federal agents. This we understand. Quote, Governor Brown put Superintendent Hampton and Sheriff Mike Reese in charge of the joint incident command structure this weekend with the specific goal of keeping Oregonians safe during Saturday's planned demonstrations by white supremacist groups, which is a lie because the Proud Boys aren't white supremacists. Oregon State Police and Hampton ultimately report to the governor's office. Brown's office has declined to answer questions about why federal deputations should extend through the end of the year, saying city and county leaders who want to rescind the federal deputy status can request that change. But as Wednesday's announcement from U.S. Attorney Williams demonstrates, those requests may be rejected. The closer relationship between local police and federal prosecutors has angered some. This is a coup by an unelected U.S. attorney. Juan Chavez, a civil rights attorney with the Oregon Justice Resource Center, wrote in a statement. It's unlawful and flies in the face of federalism. We're being sold out to Trump all because the state and city don't want to take on the police union. A spokesperson for the U.S. Marshal Service told told OPB it's unusual for local law enforcement to be deputized as federal officers for such an open ended period of time. Typically, deputations are for a specific operation, such as tracking down a fugitive and end when the operation ends. But the riots are still happening. What should any of us do? Should should the people of Portland sit back and do nothing? I don't like the idea that my tax dollars have to go to Trump sending feds into Portland because the Portland police won't do their jobs. So how about you deputize the cops so the people of Portland and Oregon, their taxes will go towards actually policing this stuff. And if you got a problem with your local police, sue them. Not the police. I'm sorry. The police seem to be doing their job. If you have a problem with your local government, your DA, sue them because they are they're basically stealing your money. I'll put it this way. If someone came to me and said, you got to pay for a fire department and then a fire started and they said, we're not putting that fire out. Then why am I giving you money? Then give me the money back. That's what they're doing. So you know what? When Trump sends in the feds, I find it frustrating because those are our tax dollars and we don't live in Oregon because the Oregon police can't do their jobs because the DA keeps releasing these people. So here we have a compromise. Local police will make the arrests. And then our tax dollars will go to federal prosecutors to deal with the rioters. You know what? That I can accept. If they won't do their jobs, I will continue to criticize them and demand they do. But at least this cuts the costs, right? They say Brown spokespeople have also declined to answer when the governor learned that state and local officers had been granted ongoing federal deputy status. Wheeler, who is Portland's police commissioner, in addition to being mayor, said he was not aware that designating local police as federal deputies would last through the end of the year until they had taken place. City Commissioner Chloe uh, Udley and Joe Ann Hardesty have issued similar calls for the federal deputy status to be revoked. Ah, they're begging, stop, stop. Don't arrest people and charge them for the crimes they commit. I would ask that until that happens, those officers not be our response, not be at responding to the protest. Hardesty wrote in a tweet. Portlanders have been clear. We don't need more deputized officers. We need de-escalation. That's your fault. Your weirdos running through the streets. Commissioner Joe Ann Hardesty tweeted. As the details over the 56 deputized PPB officers continue to unfold, I want to be clear where I stand. Under no conditions should these deputized officers be out on Portland streets or responding to protest. Why? Excuse me. Why? What's wrong with being deputized by the feds? Can you give me an answer? Are these people committing crimes? Yes. 
Uh, are they being charged for those crimes? Yes. And will they have their day in court? Yes. Okay. They, I, I should clarify. Are, is there probable cause to believe they committed a crime? Yeah, they're out at a riot. Cops are fighting with people and there's videos of this. Now, I don't know each individual person who was arrested. Some of them may be innocent, in which case you are innocent until proven guilty, which means you go to trial. That means you get charged. So what's the problem, commissioner? If the people get arrested and charged, they're not sent to prison immediately. They will they will stand up in trial as the system was supposed to work. Commissioner Joanne Hardesty goes on. Until the deputation is rescinded, I am asking my colleagues to join me in demanding the police commissioner and police chief poll the deputized officers immediately. This is a clear attempt by the federal government to take over our local police force, circumvent D.A. Schmidt's protest arrest policy, and threaten everyone's rights to free speech and assembly. You don't care about free speech. None of these people do. These people are committing crimes. Oh, well, okay. There is probable cause to suggest. I want to be, I want to be very careful because I'm a big fan of the Constitution, okay? These, you got to prove them guilty before I'll say they definitively committed crimes. She says, I do not take any of this lightly. I'm appalled that our request for mutual aid support was used to undermine local governance of police and that those who made this decision are not around to deal with the repercussions Portlanders are now grappling with. I will not stand for deputized officers on our streets. We must act now. No, you do not get the luxury across this country. We are seeing crime waves. NYC's crime wave reaches new height as this year's murder tally surpasses all of 2019. No. Absolutely not. You know, a press conference was just had for Donald Trump, uh, his doctor is speaking, and I really wanted to just, I'm like, I want to just talk about this press conference, really important, but this news needs to be brought up. I am, I am livid in seeing this video from Andy No of these people stopping a, a regular patrol, a motorcycle cop from doing his routine job. I get it, man. I've gotten bunk tickets. In fact, the only moving violations I've ever received driving were bunk. I got a speeding ticket when I wasn't speeding. What did I get? I got, I got a, uh, I, I got two speeding tickets when I wasn't speeding. I was not speeding. Actually, actually, to be fair, I'll tell you this. The first time I got a speeding ticket, I was driving down a dark road at 3 a.m. on my way to work during the early morning shift when all of a sudden I had headlights nearly rear-ending me. I was going the speed limit. So I had this person with the lights shining in the back of my car, like as close as physically possible. And so I put on my right lane, my, my right signal. I gave my I gave the car a little bit of gas to make some clearance as I switched to the right lane so that this person could pass. As soon as I creeped over the speed limit by like two miles an hour, pulled over and the cop was like it, the guy behind me was a cop. And then he said, you shouldn't speed when a cop's behind you, buddy. And I was like, dude, you almost hit me. Like you were, you were riding me. So like, I was scared. I was trying to create space and he went too bad and he gave me a ticket and I tried fighting it. And they said, so you admit you were speeding. Okay, fine. Take that one. Okay. I was once exiting off of Lakeshore Drive in Chicago where the speed limit is 45 miles an hour. And I was exiting on Belmont Avenue going 30 miles an hour, slowing down to exit. And I got pulled over. And I said, it, it, you know, is there a problem? Is that you were speeding? I was like, I was exiting. I was not speeding and I was slowing down. I got a bunk ticket. And they suspended my license for these. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this stuff. But I tell you what, I am not going to call for the system to be upended because I've had bunk tickets. I am not going to sit back as this stuff gets worse and worse every day. They're not just protesting anymore. They're not just going to people's homes. Mark my words, this will can. I'm not going to go that far. 
I am warning you that this could escalate. This could escalate. Crime is already up. And when they start disrupting general policing with impunity and they have allies in government trying to stop the one thing that was helping. I heaven forbid if if uh, Joe Biden wins because the Democrats are negotiating with these people. This is what you get with these current Democratic politicians. And so you know what? They need to be reminded by the American people. We won't allow roving bands of vigilantes to stop routine police work to kill people like they did in Portland. That's Antifa. Nor will I allow Joe Biden, who said Antifa doesn't exist. It's an idea. Nor will I allow him. Well, nor will I give him my vote. And I certainly hope you won't either. Think about what that means when they say, Mr. President, there's a roving band of individuals attacking people in the street. Really? Yes, we think they're Antifa. Ah, Antifa doesn't exist. And then he walks away. Is that what we're going to get? A president who refuses to acknowledge what we're seeing with our very eyes. A president who would support the extremists who have allowed 30 plus people to die in these riots. An avowed Antifa shot and killed a Trump supporter. An avowed Antifa firebombed an ICE facility and then got killed himself in the attack. There have been many avowed Antifa who have beaten and injured people, people like Andy No, for instance. So are we going to sit back and say, okay, Joe Biden, there's no Antifa. You can be president while we watch this. Nah, man. At least I can say this. If Joe Biden becomes president, the riots probably will be emboldened and they'll go around. It won't be riots, I think. I think it'll be morality police. If Trump, if, um, if Biden gets elected, these people will just go door to door and threaten you and do things like this. So they won't call it riots. And, but I'll tell you what. He's not going to send in the feds. He's not going to deputize the officers. So at least my tax dollars won't be going to Oregon's problems. Although it'll then only be a matter of time before the morality police come to other areas. And I'm not interested in that. So I'll tell you what. I, I, I wish Donald Trump the best. I hope he's doing okay with his, with, with, with COVID. And I really hope he pulls through this because I do not want President Biden. I'll tell you what. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at uh, 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. It is a different channel. Thank you all so much for hanging out, and I will see you all next time. Oh, Joe Biden, you're so classy, doing the right thing, taking down your negative political ads because Donald Trump was diagnosed with COVID. It's not true. It's not true at all. Here's how they reinforce the lie. I love this technique you see you going on. You got, you got this story here from a PBS Biden removing negative political ads. And it's very short. And they say, you know, Democratic nominee and former Vice President Joe Biden is taking all of his negative ads off the air in the wake of President Donald Trump's coronavirus diagnosis. Biden's deputy campaign manager, Kate Bedingfield, said Friday that the Democratic presidential contender will continue to air positive ads. The decision to take down the campaign's attack ads was made before the White House announced Trump would be heading to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center for the next few days out of an abundance of caution. Biden and Democratic groups supporting him are heavily outspending Trump and his Republican backers in advertising reservations through the election, according to the Associated Press Review of Advertising Spending. Bravo, Joe. Bravo. And then Ilhan Omar shames Biden for pulling negative campaign ads. Get it together. Trump would have had ads up by noon. That proves it, right? I mean, Joe Biden says he's doing it. Ilhan Omar criticizes him for it. And if he's getting criticism from the left, it must be true. Okay. Brent Scher. Who's this guy? Executive editor of the Washington Free Beacon. What? (laughs) That's a newspaper. A lot of praise for Joe Biden campaign for pulling negative ads. 
but scan of Facebook ad library shows it's not really true. Screenshot of still active FB ads below talking about Trump taking health care and being purged from life, being purged from life, all currently active, all pretty negative. What does that mean? They're going to take down negative ads. It means BS. Why would Joe Biden put out a garbage press release saying it? Because journalists are really stupid and just write whatever they're given. What's this press release? Joe Biden just did a backflip. I'm going to publish. Uh, Joe Biden can backflip. Joe Biden cannot backflip. That would be absurd. But they get the press release and it's fact. Earlier today, I talked about this in, in, on my main channel segment. They got an anonymous email claiming that Trump was sick and they just publish it. That's journalism today. Congratulations, Joe. Your ridiculous plan seems to have paid off. Ilhan Omar called out Joe Biden for pulling negative campaign ads. Well, to be fair, they didn't say every negative campaign ad, right? There you go. That explains it. Why would Biden delay or suspend his campaign when we know Trump would have had ads up by noon today ridiculing Biden for testing positive? Get it together, the progressive squad member tweeted late Friday. The Biden campaign reportedly said on Friday they would pull negative ads, and that's complete and utter BS. Well, you know what they're doing to Donald Trump's campaign ads? You see, Trump should have just got in front of this and said, I hereby announce I'm going to pull these ads because, you know, Joe Biden, we're going to be more, um, I don't know, we're going to uphold some kind of civility or something. Now, Facebook's just straight up removing Donald Trump's ads. In fact, from Josh Kaplan, CBS News, Facebook removes 216 Trump ads about Biden, coronavirus and refugees. My friends, the election's rigged. There's no other way to put it. If Donald Trump puts out an ad and it's something the American people care about and it matters to them, then uh, why would Facebook remove them? What gives Facebook the right? Oh, but my private platform. This one's for all you conservatives out there who really love Donald Trump and want him to win, but also have argued that we should allow Facebook to just operate with impunity because my private platform. Hey, man, fine, whatever. I mean, look, I don't want Biden to win, but, uh, you know. I'm going to be fine. I don't think the world's going to end. But if you don't like Biden and you're worried, because I kind of think he's going to, you know, destroy the future for, you know, this this country's children. Well, then you should have been in favor of regulating these companies because it was obvious to every Republican who was like, well, hold on. We don't want to regulate these companies. I don't I don't know who I'm imitating. I'm just doing some kind of accent, I guess. There. Uh, congratulations. Your ideas will die with you. That's it. You have no access to the means of communication. And now your ads will be purged. There you go. CBS reports Facebook has removed 216 Trump ads that claimed despite the health risks of COVID-19, Joe Biden will increase refugees from Somalia, Syria and Yemen. So what do Americans care about that? Imagine this. People in this country don't want mass migration. It doesn't matter if you think it's right or wrong. It matters whether the American people vote for certain things. If Facebook won't even let you know what Trump is talking about, then you can't vote for these things, can you? These companies are evil and they are dangerous. We've rejected these ads because we don't allow claims that people's physical safety, health or survival is threatened by people on the basis of their national origin or immigration status, a Facebook spokesperson told CBS News. The Facebook ad library for the Donald J. Trump Facebook page shows Donald J. Trump for President Inc. paid $10,000 to $15,000 
for the 15 second video messages that started to run on September 30th. The ad library, which lists ads purchased by the Trump campaign, shows 20, 216 ads used the creative and text before they were taken down by Facebook the same day because it goes against Facebook's advertising policies. The ads received 300,000 to 350,000 impressions before they were removed, according to the ad library. A similar 30 second version of the ad, however, was not removed. A Facebook spokesperson pointed out to CBS News, uh, to CBS News, Facebook didn't say why the 15 second version was taken down, but not the larger one, only noting that the ads were different. Courtney Perella, the deputy national press secretary for Donald J. Trump for president, echoed the sentiment in the ads uh, in a statement to CBS News on Thursday and stood behind them. She also said, when it comes to leading our nation through this crisis and delivering the great American comeback, Americans can rely on President Trump. The U.S. has reported more cases of the COVID than any other country, blah, blah, blah. Mr. Trump has in the past blamed Corona on other countries, blah, blah, blah. Facebook's advertising policies state the ads must not contain content that asserts or implies personal attributes, including direct or indirect assertions or implications about a person's race, ethnic or origin, religion, belief, age, sexual orientation or practices, gender identity, disability, medical condition, including physical or mental health, financial status, membership in a trade union, criminal record or name. The company's decision to remove the Trump campaign ads comes amid a broader focus on content related to the president's election, presidential election. In September, Facebook said it will block campaigns from advertising in the week before the November 3rd vote, and that it is seeking to remove posts with clear misinformation about the coronavirus pandemic and voting. It also said it will reject any political ads that claim victory in the presidential election before the results are declared. A reversal for the company, which has long said it won't fact check political ads made by presidential candidates and other international leaders. Welcome to your brave new world, everyone. The corporations will decide for you what you're allowed to talk about. You know, I, I, I am a fan of like the Civil Rights Act and not judging people based on, say, national origin and things like that. But I'm going to say this. Donald Trump's ads about refugees from certain countries was not. Listen, I don't know what the ad was about, but let me just say, if I told you Joe Biden will increase refugees from certain countries, just just that it in no way implies your physical well-being is being threatened. What I'm simply saying is that we will see more refugees come to this country and that will have economic impacts. You think I think it's funny when people talk about low wages, wages not increasing, stagnation and things like that. And you have to realize supply and demand plays a big role in this. If there is a constant flow of low skilled labor, wages will not go up. In fact, that will just allow the wages to siphon off to the upper class, to the rich people. That is one of the contributing factors as to why we've seen wage stagnation until Donald Trump. All of a sudden, unemployment was at record lows. Wages were going up. You know why? It's actually quite simple. If I own a company and I got to hire someone to say, I don't know, work the register, but I can't find anybody. I'm like 15 bucks an hour, man. All you work the register. Sorry, man. I already got a job. Pays me the same. Okay. Uh, all right. We'll do 16 an hour. Ooh, it's an extra dollar an hour. All of a sudden people start saying, I'm going to switch jobs because this guy's paying more. You see how competition works? What happens if you have a president who opens up the doors and just keeps bringing in more and more low skill labor? The idea that these Democrats have is that it will allow the economy to grow faster because you're going to have businesses constantly hiring people, but there's a limit. Okay. And it's, it's not, it's not a simple thing to control. I am actually very much in favor of, of immigration. And I believe we should allow every single person 
on the planet to come to this country legally and through controls. What does that mean? It means we won't get a billion people just in this country at once. It means that we have a line for a reason. And the line will we will allow a certain number of people in at a time. And we'll do that to make sure everyone can prosper. And we're not flooding the market and making people suffer. Because when you just open the doors and allow these people to come in, allow refugees, migrants or whatever, you're not helping them. You're just hurting everyone. What we need to do is make sure there's a process. Joe Biden said he would decriminalize border crossings and put a moratorium on deportations. That's not helping anyone, dude. Donald Trump can't talk about that. In fact, I'm likely to receive some kind of guideline strike for simply saying the words. But it's a reality because Bernie Sanders even talks about it. And that's why Bernie Sanders was quite popular in 2015, going to 2016. One of the things he talked about was border security, banning the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Well, I wonder what happened to all those Bernie Sanders supporters who had no principle. Makes you wonder, huh? All these people rallied behind him when he stood for things very si- that were very similar to Trump's policies. And that's what you get. They're not going to allow Trump to run these ads. Americans won't be allowed to bring these issues up without being banned. I'll probably get banned at some point. And then you will have open borders. Congratulations. Because these companies aren't beholden to the U.S. government, which means we are losing our sovereignty and our ability to constrain these massive multinational corporations. Shut them down. Impose regulations or your ideas will die with you. I'll leave it there. I got a couple more segments coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. You know, I really didn't want to do a segment on the Conway's family again, but I've talked about this in the past and I just I just got to do it. I don't I don't know if it's something y'all are going to be interested in, but we got to talk about family responsibility. And I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm not happy with Kellyanne Conway and, you know, the Conway family because their daughter is posting inflammatory garbage because she's desperate for her dad's affection. If you haven't followed this, the gist of it is Claudia Conway is the daughter of the Conways, and she's basically posting these social media things about how her mom's dumb and she's got covid and she's saying things like our president's a moron. She's posted in the past that her dad doesn't care about her, basically, and that he doesn't even know her middle name, and it's really sad. And then she goes off on a tangent, desperately trying to be like him. I'm kind of upset that journalists have continued to enable this. Like I said, I really don't want to be doing a segment about a 15-year-old's TikTok posts. But you've got a very, very high-profile family. You've got the media using their daughter's begging for help from her father for attention as a political ploy. And I think the whole thing is gross. The Conways need to take their daughter's phone from her and be parents, but they're not. It's just getting sad. I'm just going to say it again. The pathetic and desperate cry from their daughter needs to be addressed. I wasn't trying to be as mean the last time I talked about this, but these stories don't stop coming. The journalists are exploiting the family because it's it's chaotic traffic and 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 her parents aren't doing anything to stop this. This is real. Look, man, a lot of people talk about Trump and decorum I talk about Trump and his behavior. That's bad for America. Yeah, I get it, man. And this is just the icing on top. Stop this now. The first thing that needs to happen is the Conways need to go to their daughter and take her phone from her. There are some adults who should have their phones taken away, too, but they're adults and they can say the stupid things. Children have to have discipline 
Okay, their parents need to teach them. Now, I think there's some value in young people engaging in mature conversations about politics. And I think that will help them, you know, develop a strong mind. But when you have a 15 year old who is being exploited by the resistance class because she's crying that her dad won't pay attention to her, I am I am ready to vomit in my mouth at how disgusting the entire media apparatus is. And yes, some blame for the family of the Conways. Here's the first story, and then I'll take you to the to the point about how this 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 poor kid is 15 and she's basically like she may as well be crying on camera. President Donald Trump's former advisor, Kellyanne Conway, has tested positive for COVID. The news was first revealed by her teenage daughter, Claudia, in a TikTok video. But Conway later took to Twitter to confirm it comes days after Conway attended, blah, blah, blah. Update my mom has COVID, says Claudia Conway. Tonight, I tested positive, says Kellyanne. So we confirmed this. I have begun quarantine process in consultation with physicians. Here's the, her 15 year old daughter, Claudia, began to speculate that the former White House advisor may have been infected in a string of videos posted on TikTok. My mom coughing all around the house after Trump tested positive for COVID. She wrote in the first video as she lip synced to the lines of that's weird, that's suspicious. When my lungs hurt and it's hard for me to breathe, she wrote on the next, on the next revealing that she's also experiencing coronavirus symptoms. She later posted a singing video returning, returning to Trump and his positive coronavirus test. I do not, I don't wish ill on anybody, but the irony, she said, predicting it. I hope the Lysol cures him. Claudia added as she played a line from Tuesday's debate, because the joke is that Trump said to inject bleach, she never said. In the next video, Claudia confirmed her mother's positive test. Bye, I'm done. I'll see you all in two weeks, she wrote. I'm furious. Wear your masks. Don't listen to our idiot effing president piece of S. Protect yourself and those around you, she added. The teenager is a vocal critic of president of the president, despite her mom's previous prominent role in his administration. Claudia became a viral star on TikTok after she began to criticize the, the White House and her family's involvement. In one of her latest videos, she urged people to go out and vote. If you will be eligible to vote by November 3rd and you haven't registered to vote already, please, please, please register, she said. It's super important to exercise your right that you have as, as an American in this country. Please vote. I'm going to stop right there and counter that with something I think Mike Rowe said. Maybe it was Mike Rowe. He said, you also have the right to own a gun. Doesn't mean you should go out and buy one and use it. Okay. I believe everyone has the right to vote. And I also believe it's very important that people do their research and know who they're voting for. There was this really uh, funny moment. A trans Satanist anarchist ran as a Republican for Sheriff and actually won because, uh, uh, they were, she was running in a post. I think she, because, uh, the, the individual might, might, might be going by they. That's what I'm trying to clarify. But this trans Satanist anarchist won. People just checked off the box. So it's more important you're educated and you don't just vote for random people. But more to the point, Claudia Conway is 15. She doesn't care about Trump. She doesn't know anything about Trump. The only thing she knows about politics is what she hears from her mom and her dad. And her dad is this anti-Trump guy on social media. Here's the story from back in August, how 15-year-old Claudia Conway took over social media from bashing Trump and TikToks to trolling her parents on Twitter. You know what, man? They say on the evening of blah, blah, blah. Let me let me just jump right to the to, to the main point. Here's a quote. I can tell you being their daughter, they don't give it an S like they don't give a S. She said in the clip, my dad doesn't care about me. He's never cared about me. He probably doesn't even know my middle name. She said something like it's sad, but it's true. Now, most of you know, you've got Kellyanne who worked for the president. She stepped down because of all of this. 
And you also know her dad, the Lincoln Project, George Conway, also goes on Twitter and screeches about how awful the president is. I'm sorry, man. You may be a fan of Kellyanne. She seems nice. George, I'm sure, is a very nice person as well. But when it comes to this level of politics, it's one of the most disgusting things I have ever seen. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I don't care if y'all get mad at me. Family is important. And airing your family's dirty laundry is very bad. And having a 15-year-old with no parents to, to, to look after her, to provide her with discipline. And I'm just saying, like, take her phone away. Who's begging her dad? I just, I, it, it's, it's disgusting. It's disappointing. It is gross. I think it's important that young people are exposed to politics and to an understanding of the world outside of their social circles. I think it's very strange that we talk about the importance of schooling because kids get socialized. Why is it a good thing that they're surrounded by a bunch of kids saying a bunch of dumb things who don't know anything? No, kids should be around many different people, including kids and adults, so they understand how the world works. So I actually will say, in terms of Claudia being on social media and hearing about the stuff, there's benefit to this. The problem is she's not just listening. She's screaming and she's not screaming about Trump. It reminds me of, uh, of uh, Watchmen. You ever, you ever see the movie Watchmen or read the comic when the bad guy is talking about the dude, Dr. Manhattan? He's this guy who's got crazy powers and he seems to be emotionless. But Azimandia says, you know, you can basically see it in his face. He may as well have been crying. When I hear about Claudia Conway posting about these things, and we know that she said, my parents don't care about me. My dad doesn't even know my name. I, I can tell you what she's really saying. She's probably crying when she gets off social media because her parents aren't there for her. Now, she can take beef with Kellyanne, but the real issue, and it's very obvious, and I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be like an armchair psychiatrist or anything. It's her dad, man. If Claudia wanted attention from her mom, she would be praising Trump. But she wants attention from her dad. A man, she says, doesn't even know her name. What does it take for them to finally intervene and stop this? Because it's just going to keep happening. And it's and I mean, I mean, she doesn't. I can't imagine what it's going to be like for this kid when she's 25 and everything she ever posted is going to be public and she's going to be really embarrassed about it. But it's, it's interesting. It's almost like child stars. Okay, you have you have people who are child actors and actresses and they grow up and they're stars. Many of them, it does not go well because when kids are young, there's a value in what they have. They're, they're cute young kids. Many of them become awkward and weird looking teenagers and get thrown to the wayside. That makes them go insane. I know because I've, I know people who have gone through this right now. Kelly, uh, Kellyanne's daughter, Claudia, is politically useful to the resistance. She's crying that her dad won't talk to her and won't give her attention and doesn't know her name. And I'm being figurative. So she screams, orange man, bad. I can be like you, too. Please notice me. So they use her and she's going to be 25 and she's going to realize what a terrible world this is and how she was used. They propped her up. They gave her followers and her parents didn't care. Her dad still doesn't care. So now she's like, just posting on social media and I'm, and I'm, 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 I'm grossed out by it. I'm grossed out by all of it. I don't think it's going to stop either. And it's not going to stop with the Conways. Earlier, I gave praise to the Conways because Kellyanne and George mentioned they were stepping back from their roles to like take care of family. Well, apparently not enough. Kids should not be like 
I don't think parents should be like spanking their kids and stuff like that. I know there's like controversy around that. I just think a parent says, I'm taking your phone from you because you're a child and you are hurting yourself by doing this. Like if your kid was cutting, you'd stop them. You'd get them help. Her parents clearly aren't. So listen, I got I got no beef for Claudia. I'm actually sad for her. It seems like she's trying really hard to be like her dad, hoping that he'll just finally notice her. That's sad, dude. That's real sad. And then her dad is just some trash garbage father who's more concerned about running a trash website to smear the president. I know he said he was stepping down. And what's Kellyanne doing? I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm done on this stuff. Family's important. You need to guide your kids and protect them sometimes from themselves. I'll see you on the next segment coming up in a few minutes. The Democrats are trying everything in their power to stop Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation. They're now refusing to take part in the remote hearing. As Chuck Schumer says, the process is irresponsible and dangerous. You, sir, are an absurd individual. I love it. When they started announcing that all these Republicans were sick and tested positive for COVID, they're like, we can't do the hearing, everybody, because it's too dangerous, because we've been doing remote hearings anyway. Nothing's changed, dude. These people who are testing positive for COVID can just turn on their camera and do their Zoom or Skype call. What's the problem? Ah, it's an excuse. Well, apparently Lindsey Graham says, we're not going to stop. Don't show up. Fine. We're going to have the hearings. In fact, if they don't show up, it's going to go faster. How about that? Mitch McConnell, he moves to send Senate home for two weeks to recess after three Republican senators test positive for the coronavirus. Lindsey Graham says he will still hold the confirmation hearing. We're going to do it remotely. We did James Comey remotely. What was the problem with that? We had many po- politicians remote, uh, doing a remote uh, session. We've had judges and trials done this way. You wanted to set this up this way, Democrats. You can't cry about it now. Daily Mail reports, leading Democrats have described pressing ahead with Amy Coney Barrett's Supreme Court nomination, irresponsible and dangerous, and said a virtual confirmation is not acceptable for no reason, mind you. Like, what's the reason it's not acceptable? After seven people at her nomination ceremony tested positive for COVID-19, six of the 12 Republican members of the Senate Judiciary Committee were present at Saturday's event. Mike Lee, Marsha Blackburn, Ben Sass, Josh Hawley, Tom Tillis, and Mike Crapo. Two, Lee and Tillis, tested positive on Friday. Coney Barrett, 48, tested negative on Friday, her office said. She had coronavirus in the summer and has since recovered. We can see a bunch of photos then. She has spent the week meeting senators, including Lee of Utah, who tested positive. Chuck Schumer, the most senior Democrat in the Senate, said it was time to postpone Coney Barrett's hearings, which were due to begin mid-October. We now have two members of the Senate Judiciary Committee who have tested positive for COVID, and there may be many more. I wish my colleagues well. It is irresponsible and dangerous to move forward with a hearing, and there is absolutely no good reason to do so. No, I'm sorry, dude. There's no good reason not to. Let's turn their, their, their cameras on, and they'll do, like, they'll, they'll do the hearing like they did every other hearing. Republican Senate Leader Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, chair of the Judiciary Committee, insisted that they would proceed as scheduled with virtual hearings if necessary. Republicans are intent on ensuring Coney Barrett's confirmation before the election to guarantee that the Supreme Court leans conservative for the foreseeable future. Democrats are equally intent on stopping it, arguing that it was unacceptable to choose a new Supreme Court justice in an election year, which is trash garbage argument. You want to know the simple argument? Obama nominated Merrick Garland. 
I kind of felt like Garland was a, was a, was a moderate and there was good reason for them to negotiate and just get it through. But it's actually simple. Raw electoral power. The Senate rejected it. That was it. Sorry. They're like, they wouldn't hold a hearing. No, listen, Obama said, I choose Garland. They said, we reject. End of story. It's called checks and balances. Now the Senate is Republican and the president is a Republican. And the president said, Amy Coney Barrett, the Senate says, okay, can we move on? The Democrats are do nothing trash. They, they've done nothing but ob- obstruct. And that's why they lose. They just lose. They're losers. They keep losing. And then they're like, it's not fair. You can't do it. Yeah, they can. They won the election, man. It is premature for Chairman Graham to commit to a hearing schedule when we do not know the full extent of potential exposure stemming from the president's infection and before the White House puts in place a contact tracing plan to prevent further spread of the disease, said Diane Feinstein, the 87-year-old ranking Democrat on the committee. The unfortunate news about the infection of our colleague, Senator Lee, makes even more clear that the health and safety must guide the schedule for the Senate. Nice try. In addition, there is, bi- there is a bipartisan agreement that a virtual confirmation hearing for a lifetime appointment is not acceptable. It's critical that Chairman Graham put the health of senators, the nominee and staff first and ensure a full and fair hearing that is not rushed, not truncated and not virtual. Otherwise, this already illegitimate process will become a dangerous one. Fine. I'm, 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 I'm over these people, man. All of them that includes Graham and McConnell, too. I'm just sick and tired of these people. It's all BS. Get them all out. Dinos and rhinos. Goodbye. I know people are happy that Mitch McConnell's pushing through to get a Supreme Court nominee confirmed. I'm just I'm just so over it. The Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, McConnell, Graham, Lindsey Graham apparently is doing bad. I don't care. You know what? It's it's the fault of the people who keep electing these spineless keys to the castle, rhinos and dinos. You know, there are some Republicans I like. Matt Gaetz is pretty cool. Josh Hawley is pretty cool. Rand Paul's really cool. Rand Paul's probably my favorite politician, mind you. I don't agree with him on everything, but he's a he's a he's a defender of freedom. He absolutely is. And uh, I got respect. He's a principled guy. And the same is true for Gates. Uh, Dan Crenshaw's great. I really disagree with Dan on war, but I respect that he knows more about it than I do, having actually gone over there. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard's basically out. So I don't know who on the Democrat side I'm going to care about at this point. The rest of them, it's it's just, just they're all bad. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Thomas Massey's pretty cool. You know, very libertarian guy. And uh, it seems like there's more moderate libertarian types on the Republican side. And the left is becoming like the populist left is just too socialistic for me. And I lean left on a lot of these issues. I'm just not that not, not there, not that far out there. But I, I just can't do it, man. We get it. They're giving us garbage reasons for their garbage postponement because they don't like the fact that people elected Republicans. And it just goes to show you that none of it's there's no there's no real political conversation. It's just fake news. It is a thin veneer of of absurdity where they pretend like they actually care about what's going on and they don't. Well, okay, fine. Mitch McConnell is going to send it home for two week recess. Then they'll come back just in time for the hearing, I suppose. McConnell said the move would not affect the scheduled hearing for Judge Barrett. The Senate will be in pro forma session through October 19th. Panel chair Senator Lindsey Graham said judiciary will go forward with October 12th hearing on Barrett's nomination. Democrats were demanding a delay even before three Republican senators tested positive for COVID. He will make a unanimous consent request requiring Democratic buy-in. Questions about whether judiciary can reach quorum to meet. Senator Chuck Schumer called the decision to go ahead uh, reckless and dangerous. You see, 
The Democrats were trying to delay things even before COVID. Now they're giving us a fake reason why they want to lock, delay things uh, further. Amy Coney Barrett was nominated by Trump. She's going to be confirmed by the Republican Senate. It's going to occur just a week before the election. Life isn't fair. But you know what? In this instance, it is. They won the election. You can all now shut up and leave me alone. Is that enough to ask for? You know, I, 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 I would settle for you doing your jobs, but considering they won't be doing that, I would rather they just shut up, say nothing and sit there quietly. These politicians in Congress, in my opinion, are, are, are garbage rhinos and dinos. You know, uh, many of you may not be familiar. It means Republican in name only and Democrat in name only. These are remnants of a of an era of passive politics, of party politics, where people just went in and hit the D or hit the R. And now we will reap the benefits of people not being active in politics. You know what's going to what's going to happen when people actually wake up? We will actually get imagine this. Imagine someone who says, my fellow Americans, it is my desire to enact border security. We will reinforce areas of our southern border that have been for too long dilapidated and in disrepair. This will reduce human trafficking, drug trafficking, and strengthen our nation. You'll have someone who says, I would like to see our manufacturing base return to this country. The free trade agreements have been a disaster. You know what that is? Saying the exact same thing Trump says, but getting rid of the, of the, of the, of the brash attitude of Trump. That's what we can look forward to once we get rid of the crony corporate establishment. And you know what? Trump is the current iteration. He is the, he's the avatar of the anger felt by so many people who have witnessed for too long the corrupt garbage politicians of the left and the right of the Democrats and the Republicans. And Trump is not a Republican. That's why Trump supporters use a lion symbol because he's not. He's something different. He took over just like Bernie Sanders tried. But Trump won. Trump is not perfect. Trump is an imperfect uh, a hero for many of these people. He's a villain for many of the resistance people because he's anti-establishment. I would consider myself to be, for the most part, very anti-establishment because the establishment is a bunch of people sitting in their fancy suits in their ivory tower, smoking cigars and laughing at how dumb all of us are. The morons. <laughs> and then they get elected and they sit back and they drink their fancy wine and they do nothing. They, there, there's, a, there's a really, listen, there is a video from the Gravel, uh, Gravel Institute, sorry, Gravel Institute. They're trying to be a left-wing version of PragerU. PragerU being a conservative informational video. I will say this first for the Gravel Institute. Don't be so mean and adversarial. You don't need to do that. Uh, you know, in, in some of their statements, they've been like, PragerU lies in their trash, and they post inflammatory things on Twitter. I am absolutely not a fan. However, they did put out a video that I'm actually a fan of. It, it, it is a leftist argument for populism, in a sense, saying Democrats and Republicans don't work for us. And in fact, what sways the political uh, positioning of these politicians is rich people, not poor working class people or poor people in general. It is a fact. There was this chart that came out a long time ago that shows if public support says we want X, they don't care because they need to fundraise. So get rid of all of them. The Gravel Institute on that, on that issue was right. And so you know why I like that video? If we can come together, left and right, populist, whatever portion on the spectrum and say, I really don't like the Green New Deal. Think y'all are got you got crazy ideas. But you know what we agree on? The establishment cronies in, in, in government are trash and they should all go away. 
which reminds me of this old episode of The Simpsons I saw when I was a little kid. Kang and Kodos, the aliens come and they threaten Marge and Homer that they'll go and abduct every member of Congress or something like that. And then Trump goes, you couldn't get every member of Congress. And then Kang and Kodos are like, just watch us. And they leave and then they start laughing. That was the joke. Even back then, we didn't like Congress because they were (laughs) gutter trash. These people just want the keys to the castle. So I'm, I'm sick of reading about this. I get it. People are probably happy McConnell's going to get Coney Barrett through. I don't I don't care. I don't like any of them. Take take the win Republicans, take the L Democrats, and then let's vote for like actual people who really care. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all next time.